Hello and welcome to Super Excited with Stefan Roost. I'm Mike, the facilitator of this podcast. In this episode, Stefan talks to Salim Ismail. Salim Ismail is the founder of OpenExo, a consulting company helping to transition businesses and governments into the age of abundance. He is also the founding executive director of Singularity University and lead author of the book Exponential Organizations. In this episode, Stefan and Salim discuss OpenExo and City Nations, how money is no longer money, scarcity versus abundance, and how the future is better than you think. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody. Super excited, especially today on another Friday to be here with Salim. Salim and I go quite a way back. We met uh, through Alan Lauch and when we were trying to save the planet and working on really reinnovating, um, um, you know, Uh, tokenizing the world that really was right really all those efforts what does it take to really protect the planet and tokenize and create value uh, of what the planet generates uh, but Salim has an amazing background an author of a, a, a phenomenal book which I implore all of you to read um, you know sort of a big educator an entrepreneur um, done a whole bunch but rather than me tell you about him I'll ask him To sort of maybe Salim, great, great having you on here. Thanks for taking the time out. And uh, maybe you want to introduce yourself as well. All right. Uh, thank you, Stefan. Great to be here. Yeah. I'm super looking yeah. forward to this conversation. Um, my background I'm from India originally, uh, schooling university in Canada, 10 years in Europe, uh, restructuring large companies, um, many French companies, which is why I'm bold. Um, and many of you Europeans will <laughs> understand that. Uh, and then the last 20 years in the US. Uh, I built the predecessor to Twitter two years too early. Uh, very bad to be early in the tech space, better to be late. Uh, but it got me well known. And probably the journey in this context starts at, uh, when I was the head of innovation at Yahoo, um, when Jerry Yang was CEO, and learned a fundamental lesson, which is, when you, which, which is that when you try anything disruptive in a legacy environment, the immune system attacks you. Uh, and you get caught fighting all these antibodies uh, because large organizations are geared for efficiency and predictability, and the world just isn't that anymore. And so yeah. there's a whole conversation to be had about the future of large companies, I don't, which I don't think they have one. Anyway, I went from building that, doing that to building out Singularity University, where I was the founding CEO and built it out for about seven years. Uh, and wrote the book, Exponential Organizations, on how do you scale an organization as fast as you can scale technology. Um, and uh, that been basically, I've been chasing that around and uh, going around talking about that for the last uh, few years. And we actually set about solving this immune system problem. And we've actually done it. We've created progress process frameworks that allow you to go into a big company or a public sector environment and hack culture at scale. Uh, and so that's a lot of the work that we do with our ecosystem. We even now have a community of consultants that work on this, use these tool sets. There's now about 17,000 people in 130 countries. Uh, and so we're creating kind of an army that can help with the transformation of the world in general. And I think some of the things that you address in your book is, is the exponential, you know, how technology helps exponential growth and how information as a result also translates and, and transfers. Um, around the world, where where do you feel you know sort of in that nature, big organizations, big monolithic 
organizations, WHO, you know, you've got no. UN, you've got, you know, what DC, Brussels, you know, I mean, CCP, you know, on the other hand, you've got all these huge organizations that have sort of lost touch with the pulse of what's really going on on the floor. How do yeah. we change that? And, and how does technology help them? And, and what does new government look like or new institution look like? Well, I, th I think if you, that's a great comment and in, important in the context of this. You know, we run the world today with a set of top-down, centralized, hierarchical pyramid-type structures, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the UN, the WHO, the CCP, etc. And that's great for a scarcity world. It's great for a world that doesn't change very much. And you can kind of uh, navigate the world. Um uh, I go back to the scarcity just because a big command and control inherited from the military uh, works really well in that world. But as we move the world to abundance, um, abundant energy is around the corner now, uh, abundant uh, crypto, etc. You need a different model. And over the last 20, 30 years, we've seen the rise of the Internet, Burning Man, the open source movement, the maker movement, uh, DAOs, etc. that are bottom up environments. Uh, because the, there's a tsunami of technology breakthroughs that's sweeping away the old um, that are very uh, anti-fragile. Um, and we uh, need a completely new model to go forward. And I don't see any of these old structures making it. We can see them breaking in front of our eyes in this yeah. new model. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, obviously, you know, I think that's what we're building for, right? And, and your new venture is really building out for that, right? And, and you've launched EXO, um, which is on the blockchain and leveraging the, your, 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 your experts in the field uh, across, I think, 130 countries you mentioned, the 17,000 yeah. consultants. Um, and, and I think you're really working with local jurisdictions and cities and one yeah. of the terms I think you come up with is city nations, right? What's what's that looking like, and and how's how how are you taking EXO into that into that new realm? Yeah. So if I lift up the highest level, there are kind of four major observations we have about the world, yeah. right? The first yeah. is that we have twenty what I call Gutenberg moments hitting us at the same time. Uh, the printing press in the 15th century changed the world completely, and we call that a yeah. Gutenberg moment. Well. Solar energy changes the world completely. Blockchain changes the world. AI, you know, autonomous cars, uh, CRISPR, uh, each one fundamentally changes yeah. the nature of society at a macro yeah. and micro level. Um, in the face of that, those 20 breakthroughs, I think I've, every institution by which we run the world uh, essentially disappears and evaporates. Uh, we can't find an institution that's set up to navigate this. I'll just use ex education as an example. All our global education systems are trained to take a young child uh, up through their early 20s and teach them to be ready for the job market, uh, basically. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know what a job looks like in five years. You know, what are we teaching them? Yeah. Uh, and so there's, that's just one small example, but it goes across the board. Um, the third observation is our current leaders clearly cannot navigate this. They're all trained in 20th century status quo incremental environments. And the final observation is that almost all the action, certainly implementation, is happening at a very localized level. Uh, we're going from nation states to managing the world via city states. When you think about uh, Trump or Brexit, wasn't left versus right. It was urban versus rural, right? Um, yeah. And you look at the uh, pandemic, all the big countries did pretty badly navigating the panel. All the smaller countries did really well because they, you have homogeneity, you can move our population along. Um, 
where the world is volatile and moving quickly and changing quickly via these 20 Gutenberg modes, you want localized uh, uh, adaptability. Uh, and so yeah. how do we navigate that in the future? We do a bunch of work around city transforming public sector city environments. So we did a big project with the mayor of Miami a few years ago and laid down a lot of the vocabulary you hear coming out there. So we found a way of navigating and breaking through and transforming localized public sector environments. And then let's spread that uh, so that anybody has that tool set to be able to apply it locally. Um, the, the, you know, we, I think it's like, it's, it's, if you talk to the Neil Ferguson's and Yuval Harari's of the world, right? You look back, every civilization in history got to quite a sophisticated level. The Romans, the Incas, the Mayans, etc., hit a boundary condition and then literally fell off a cliff almost instantly. Right. And you talk to the, the top kind of anthropologists and systems thinkers, we're kind of all the conditions are there now. And we're literally falling over the cliff uh, right now. And we what we're trying to do is what are the systems we can build so that we can fail over more elegantly and not end up in, you know, 400 years of the dark ages. And I think a lot of us entrepreneurs are building these new systems. Right. And I think what I struggle with is really we've we've got a leadership in all of these countries that has no touch with reality anymore. You know, it's like somebody was adding up, you know, if, if, if Trump goes again and Biden will have to go again because that's the only way these two can go, then you have the two pre presidential candidates in aggregate, an age of 90 years, you know, 180 years old or something. I mean, it's like, and is that really the... In terms of relevance to the new world, they might as well be 500 years old, right? There's like some, yeah. there's some bylaw that you have to be under 25 to program the blockchain. Um, uh, there's, uh, there's, somebody asked me, uh, if I could change the constitution in the U S and make one change, what would I do? And I said, right now, the constitution says you have to be over 35 years old to be president. I rewrite yeah. it and flip it around and say, you have to be under 35 because you, you just can't understand the world. Uh, when, when the poor, when, you know, these poor guys have no hope of understanding what's happening, right? It's like trying to get them to sit on a discord channel and understand the matter of any kind. <laughs> But, but the brilliance is the Discord channels are real-time, you know, online, documented conversations that are happening, uh, right? So, and they're uh, so naked been, truth. I've got, yeah, I've gone deep into the NFT rabbit hole over the last six months, trying right. to understand what's yeah. going on. And and I actually believe we're watching humanity fork. Uh, um, yeah. I'm seeing in, the, in these NFT projects a community yeah. and a culture where the language, ethics, values, uh, um, monetary appreciation, uh, um, um, uh, behavior conversations is completely distinct from the real world and completely detached. Um, it's the first time I've ever seen an environment where people, they treat money truly as abundant. Right? They're yep. working their projects, they go, oh, we need some money, oh, go sell some NFTs, come back and keep, keep working. And you're like, what? Wait, what? The entire world operates with money as a scarcity. <laughs> and these goddamn kids are sitting there going, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll sell some over here and come back. And that is profoundly fascinating, whether it's, you know, there's obviously the excesses, there's greed and whatever. But the the uh, I was talking to the head of innovation from the Federal Reserve, right? And she's yeah. saying, well, we have to do that. I said, listen, I'm watching. There is such a role. They, there's such a role, it turns out. Um, and she's really whip smart because the, the federal is, the Fed is a decentralized system of 13 yeah. regional federal uh, banks, right? So they yeah. have just to kind of cat herd all of them. It's like 
trying to navigate stakeholders on a blockchain, right? Um, uh, we'll get to DAOs and governance in some other some other discussion. But um, uh, I, the the I've lost my train of thought now. The you okay. said in these, and they don't ever ever mention the U.S. dollar in these channels. They're only ever talking about yep. the unit of account has changed for this new culture. It's completely. It's yep. it's just utterly yep. fascinating to me, and I think it's very yep. powerful and unique and important what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we if you go to Laguna, our website, lagu.na, you know, NA, you'll actually see we have a whole video that talks about money and how money has shifted from this, you know, piece of paper that gets printed into this, you know, fast-moving consumer product, right? It's now trendy. Yeah. It's fashionable. Because we can program money, e.g. NFTs, we can have so much involved in that and it becomes – Oh, damn it. I lost the money. Oh, man, I've got to go make it back, like you just said, right? And yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a fascinating, you know, I just minted one yesterday. I got accepted into a DAO as, you know, a member to a society, and I had to mint it, and it's 0.7 ETH, right? Okay, ETH is cheap now, so it's pretty good value, but, but you still have to mint it, and the, the price is ETH. It's not the dollar anymore. It's totally, totally right. Yeah. Um, and I think l largely that has created this level of abundance and this thinking of abundance, right? It's like, and, and we're seeing the Fed has its own way of treating abundance, but it's trying to control the, the scarcity or the way that abundance gets set into the market. But I don't, yeah. And so they're also doing it, but in a different way, in a much more, yeah, sort of maybe stodgy way, if, if that's a word, you know. Well, they're trying to manage the macro environment on an old paradigm, right? Um, yeah. I was talking to Jeff Booth, um, uh, who wrote a book called The yeah. Price of Tomorrow. And and that would be a book I'd recommend people to read because he made the observation that over the last, you know, about uh, 10 years ago, we had about 50 trillion in GDP and the world was about 85 trillion in debt. Uh, roll yeah. forward a decade, even before the pandemic, and the world was 85 trillion in GDP and we're now 200 trillion in debt. And basically, you worked out that over the last 50 years, every dollar increase in GDP globally is coming with it $4 of debt, right? So we're basically uh, wow. uh, increasing the world and moving the world forward by growing debt exponentially. Uh, and it's not like it's you can wipe it out. This is structural debt. You have to, you have, you're essentially borrowing off future generations. Uh, try going to a bank and saying, lend me $1,000 and I'll bring you back two fifty, and see how quickly you get shown the door, right? And yet that's what we're doing at the central bank level and basically just print yeah. money to try and navigate the world. What he got excited about, and I, I think of Jeff as like the patron saint of the, uh, or the, the chief economist of the abundance world, right? And he, he made yeah. a really fascinating comment. He said, Bitcoin gives you money velocity without debt. Uh, and you're like, wow, this is like, this is like, it's like, it takes like yeah, an hour to think about that. Um, um, but that's a profound comment that we can now have because we, we, we wanted money velocity. So we created debt-based system. Yep. When they yep. created the monetary yep. systems in the 70s and floated off the gold standard, they didn't realize that technology was deflationary. They thought the, the advanced technologies have always cost more. And then you can use yeah. that base system if the underlying yeah. uh, uh, assets are becoming more expensive. Well, in a deflationary environment, uh, you can't use debt because you, you essentially have nothing to operate off. There's no collateral. Uh, 
And the fact that technology is deflationary is is driving everybody crazy now. And they just didn't understand. You know, it's, it was a natural error. They just, yeah, yeah. In the history of mankind, advanced technologies all, always cost more. And today, for the first time in human history, advanced technologies cost very little. Uh, uh, AI is pretty cheap. Um, uh, solar energy is cheap. Sensors are cheap. The blockchain is free. Uh, and so that model breaks the debt-based system that we've b- built on for hundreds of years. And and we they're thrashing around trying to find what's next, which is why I think all of these experiments are so fascinating. I think your project at Trueflation is really fascinating uh, so that we can okay. actually try uh, track what's happening. Um, I'd love to look into this more, but isn't it uh, doesn't it turn out to be mostly price gouging by big companies that's driving a lot of the inflation? Right. They're like, this is great. Well, the prices I, blame the government. I, we're, 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 we're golden. Yeah, I mean, if you think of it, I mean, the largest portion, you know, which is about 19% of people's household income is transportation, right? We spend a lot of money on moving our, uh, you know, going shopping, food, whatever we need to do, flying here or there. Um, and and oil prices is obviously a huge impact on 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 transportation, and so all our flights cost more. Our you know our, our taking our children to school costs more, etc. Yeah. And so and guess who's pro- who's who's announcing record profits, right? I mean, you just see that. I don't know if it's price gouging or if it's no. They've, they've uh, shown it to manipulated. Be, they, they've shown it to be pretty uh, uh, almost. Uh, something like eighty percent of the uh, money increase at the pumps is price gouging, because um, yeah. they're I mean, like, "Oh, great, we can just pretend," and, and 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 there you go. And they have they have kind of an invisible cartel where one of them doesn't undercut the other because everybody wins in that yeah. scenario. Yeah, but I mean, I think you know, it's just, just we're just seeing that that people are beginning to because the government is saying you know inflation is only eight percent, but actually or seven percent. Actually, when I go to the gas pumps, it's like twenty percent. When I when I look at the, the 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 trolley, you know, the food cart at the end of a shopping session, it's it's half empty and it only costs it costs me one hundred and fifty dollars, right? And so. Right people are realizing that there's a big discrepancy and that's creating a mistrust. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we have a, you know, we'll just raise interest rates by 75 basis points. So it's like, oh, hang on, you know, I'm, I'm living below the, the level line for me. Everything is difficult already. How the hell am I, that, that's going to impact the leasing on my car. You know, is that going to impact my mortgage? What, you know, anyway, it's just really, uh, and then you have on the flip side, the NFTs, crypto, where I'm just programming new money, right? I'm bringing new money to market, trying to identify a new trend, uh, you know, and, and yeah, it's like I, you know, such I, a different world. Well, it, it's, it's fascinating and for me, completely exciting because we have innovation in the monetary system for the first time in, you know, probably a thousand years, meaningful innovation. Yeah. And I was looking on yeah. uh, one of the websites. We have 19,000 cryptocurrencies uh, that are public right now. That's, a, yeah. that's an insane yeah. amount. Now, I, this, <laughs> this current dip will mean many of them will get wiped out. That's fine. But if five succeed, it'll change the world. Um, and and therefore, Definitely. we're in an amazing place. I, I think of the, the, the comet has hit, right? And the dinosaurs are getting yeah. wiped out. And essentially, we're seeing this explosion of little furry animals, a Cambrian explosion of innovation, which we've never seen in monetary systems. And I think that's happening. And, and you, you brought it, you know, we look, when we look at inflation, what has kept inflation down is really technology. Yeah. 
Because without technology, we would never have been able to bring down the cost so much given the amount of money that's printed. And technology costs come down as innovation happens, you know, big disruptive innovation, as well as economies of scale. So the greater the adoption, the the unit costs come down and it becomes more affordable. Yeah. And you mentioned blockchain, you know, blockchain as an open source software is free. Yeah. And so ultimately printing money has become free. It has become what the community puts value into that. Well, there's two or three and, and, and how there are two or three really yeah. important things in what you just said, right? Like a big one is is the democratization of these technologies and the drop in cost. In in I'll just go back to this really important comment. In the history of humanity, advanced technologies have always cost a lot. Uh, and today, for the first time, advanced technologies are cheap. It means anybody can innovate. That means a Vitalik can get together mm-hmm. with a few people and create a half a trillion dollar ecosystem. I will submit to yeah. you that none of our world leaders can get their heads around an 18-year-old in a small that. group creating a half a trillion dollar ecosystem, right? Uh, they just, we can't, we can't cognate it. Uh, we literally can't process that, that, that data byte. Um, uh, and that's now going to, and you take Elon, who's just doing, going, running amok. Now, Elon's methodology, by yeah. the way, is really simple. He will take a technology that's growing exponentially, solar energy, battery technology, uh, uh, et cetera, where will that technology be on a 10-year doubling pattern because of exponential growth? Um, and let's build a company to intercept that curve. That, whether it's neural links or, or whatever, he's, that's all his methodologies. He's now inspired tens of thousands of entrepreneurs around the world to go, oh, I yeah. do this. Uh, I, I can get the right mindset and just go for it. And uh, this is yeah. going to change the world fundamentally. My favorite little example of this is... Um, uh, there's a the third fastest electric car in the world um, is called the Vega, a 900 horsepower. Okay, okay? Uh, looks like a Ferrari. It's stunning, and it's being engineered, designed, built in Sri Lanka. Okay, that that hotbed of automotive innovation. Um, <laughs> if you're a German car executive, you can't you can't get your head around this. Yeah. How can a bunch of fishermen yeah. on an island nation where they barely have roads? Uh, 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 be yeah. building this thing. It's not. It's not conceivable. It's not possible for that old world. And this is, I think, uh, highlights the the incredible discrepancy between the old and the new. And we need to move to the new as fast as yeah. possible. Yeah. And I think I like you know one one you know Salim. I mean, you've got a, a huge experience, right? You're from India. You've lived in Canada. You've lived in the U.S. You travel the world all the time, and you have a really good perspective on the globe, right? We live on one planet, right? And and I think, you know, sort of you're seeing innovation happen, not only now coming from the same city, you know, Silicon Valley anymore, it's coming from all over, like these examples. And how is blockchain and, and, and Web3 really, and crypto really helped facilitate that? Do you see that really well, helping drive that I further? I think it's massive because, you know, when when an 18-year-old in Pakistan can just like buy some crypto and do some trading, right? Uh, it's it's unbelievable that this is this is possible. Yeah. And so today, any kid can with a brain can uh, learn the ropes around some possible potential idea, go uh, innovate around it, and come up with something new. And many will fail. Um, but you know, I think of startups. My the best, the favorite paradigm I have to describe startups is turtle eggs. Uh, turtle will lay two hundred eggs on yeah. a beach, 
right? And maybe only 150 of them hatch, uh, etc. Yeah, you have 150 yeah, little yeah. turtles running towards the water, and the birds are eating them, the animals are eating them. Then they get to the water, the surface pounding them, and they get into sure. the water, and maybe only 50 get into the water. Now the fish are eating them. Only five get to the bottom, right? Um, and this is why you lay 200 eggs. Uh, uh, you, you just yeah. you just need those five to get to the bottom. The the a venture model is you can't tell which five, so invest in a portfolio and hope that that one out of the oh. ten will that you invest in will get there. The key thing is that that process is unbreakable. Um, it doesn't matter how bad the chaotic the external environment is. If you throw out enough turtles, some are going to get to the bottom and become big turtles, and that pro continues the process. We now have a million little turtles of cryptocurrencies running towards the water. Right, and there's no way the the you can stop that. It's going to change the world. And the question is, how do you navigate that that bridge to the new world? And this is the incredible. This is, I think, for me, the most exciting. All these experiments of um, uh, um, crypto stable coins and NFT programmability and community building and uh, energy on the blockchain, etc., are going to yield a completely new model. We can't see the other side of this. As I think of the like the internet in about 1995, uh, but it's going to be incredibly magical. And we know that when these disruptive uh, phases occur, what comes out the other side is always like 10x better than what we had in the past. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I think you know that 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 sort of is 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 in a way that sort of leads to where we're going, right? I mean, if you look at this innovation and, and this drive all over the planet. And, and to me, we created these new tech behemoths, right? And, and technology allowed us to create these Web2 companies that really innovated and, and changed the paradigm, brought down inflation. I mean, let's give them credit for that on a business model that was really developed for advertising, right? They needed to generate revenue because growth wasn't good enough. You need to generate revenue and 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 sort of Wall Street dictated, go get revenue. And, and, and the way they did that was sell users yeah. data, right? But they gave us a service yeah. for free. We gave, their, us the, we gave them our data. And now I think that's all of a sudden shifting. And, you know, if you look at the big innovators, they were all out of, you know, sort of Silicon Valley or the US or Seattle or wherever. But how, you know, in, in a way, regulatory frameworks are so important to foster innovation and retain job creation in a specific nation right and in crypto land i'm seeing and i you know i i've got maybe i've got people all over the world i'm working with 60 different people around the world and we've got vendors and partners that are building for us some in the us some around the world so it's all of a sudden it's become very distributed how do you see that panning out and how does that work with these big you know i oh i'm the imf yeah. I, you know it's like oh, you can't you have to you have to or lawyers saying oh no no it's not in this jurisdiction you can't work here you know it's like how does so that play you, out? I always try and boil things down to a reductionist, uh, understandable metaphor, and then try and roll back yep. out. Right. So if I if I think of yep. business, then the easiest way of boiling it down is demand and supply, and what are the characteristics of the demand and the characteristics of the supply, and you can kind of get your head around this. Right. If you look at uh, a country yep. or taxation as a phenomena, you've got tax collection yep. and then government spending. Right, that's your demand and supply. Yeah. Um, our old models of nation states uh, navigated this, and in siloed environments, yeah. right, you protect your nation's boundaries, 
you have an abundance of natural resources and critical mass in multiple industries, and that allows you to manage the nation state and protect that 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 tax collection coming from resources or businesses that get created, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you move down to the city-state level at one level and you move to an abundance model yeah. on the other level, you have massive demand destruction uh, and the supply has to match in the same way. So I'll just use the example of energy. Uh, we've been we've had energy yeah. scarcity for the entire history of humanity, right? Uh, solar energy is an information doubling pattern on a Moore's law type path, doubling every 22 months. And it's been operating like this for 40 years. So every for 40 years, every 22 months, we double the price performance of solar systems. Okay. At this pace, and it's been going like clockwork for 40 years. Um, at this pace, we yeah. will be able to deliver all of the world's energy with solar in eight years. We're four doublings away. Okay. And this is why Putin's going to war now. Because in a few years, his oil and gas reserves are worth nil. So he, uh, he has to act now yeah. uh, because he doesn't have a choice. Um, yeah. he, uh, it's not hard to roll that carpet forward and go, okay. So I think energy ends up at oil prices end up at about 14 to $16 a barrel. And then they never go up from there because like the last oil price crash in like 2013, 2014 was because of a 2% over in the market. Yeah. It's a highly tightly run market. doesn't take a lot. So... Solar energy coming along with decentralized microgrids, et cetera, will completely blow that paradigm, yep. even if it's a 10% impact. It just changes the game completely. So yep. this now unravels the entire model for energy scarcity into energy abundance. And the way you navigate abundance, every business in the world operates on scarcity. Uh, for 10,000 years, if you didn't have scarcity, you didn't have a business, right? Yep. And the reason we define exponential yeah. organizations and define the model is that we're seeing for the first time in history a business a set of business models tapping into abundance so airbnb is tapping to an abundance of extra bedrooms lying around uber an ex abundance of extra cars sitting empty if you own a car it sits empty 94 percent of the time uh and so we're, yeah. we're seeing this shift from scarcity-based business models to abundance-based business models well that breaks the taxation model Right, that breaks the into the. We have two hundred fiat currencies that make no sense in a globalized world. Uh, every country is like we have to have our own currency to manage our own monetary policy, connect to yeah. asset-based environments, etc. No, none of that is required in, a, especially in an information-based world, where the world yeah. is moving in a different model. So uh, the the challenge, if you're the IMF, or the challenge, if you're an oil company, or if you're any kind of large legacy organization, is you're trying desperately to keep the status quo. Well, you can't keep it if in the in the 80s and 90s there were about five or ten solar companies being created a year because solar cost a bomb. Um, so the big oil companies would just sit there yeah. and buy them and shut them down. Right? That. that was manageable; they could protect their yeah. hegemony using that yeah. model. Well, now because of the the democratization, there's five thousand new solar company. You can't buy yeah. 5,000. Uh, and therefore, solar is exploding um, in use uh, in the same way that once you have uh, 5 million kids using uh, Ethereum, uh, you can't you can't shut them down. You can't regulate it in any way. So therefore, yeah. this going to happen. All the big governments and big structures are trying to do right now, slow it down as much as possible to extend their shelf. Right. And it's yeah. but the change in the flip yeah. is inexorable. It's a watershed moment of going from scarcity to abundance. Um, and as we move to that shift, a new world will emerge. And we need to create the systems and the institutions and the uh, monetary systems and the governance models that navigate, that allow us to navigate that new world.
Yeah, because I think a lot of the population of general people, in, you know, in societies are, are still very nervous. Everybody's nervous yeah. of change, right? And I think uh, three things that I always look at at people, very simplistic, you know, they always want to be right, right? So they always want to have something confirmed, right? They're, they're, I mean, we inherently are lazy, right? So we don't want to take on too much work and uh, – and then lastly, we always want to blame somebody yeah. right? so, uh, yeah. if we're not right. It's never my fault, right? It was that Very fault. Easy to yeah. do like, in today's world. Right? Um, so, so <laughs> super easy to do in this world, right? Because I've got somebody that's constantly taking care of us and telling me what to do. Uh, they, they, they need my votes for, for me to get elected. So, you know, you've got to pay me to keep me happy. And, uh, and, and. You know, I, I, I was right because, you know, I, I said something at some point and I'm selected in my news channel with all my friends. I'm getting always the confirmation yeah. that well, I'm you right. Know, um, uh, Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler wrote this book, Abundance, 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And I think, and they highlighted yeah. in there something very, very important that I think is the seed of this problem. Uh, they highlighted the role of the amygdala in our brain which is a little walnut-sized organ in the back of your brain. It's an evolutionary mechanism that's constantly okay. scanning for bad news, okay? Because when we were evolving on the plains yeah. of Africa, if you heard a noise in the bushes, you ran uh, because bad news could kill you. You yeah. didn't wait around to see if it was your best buddy. You yeah. just took off because it's a tiger, it's, yeah. it's a snake, yeah. it's whatever. Um, um, good news doesn't kill you. Uh, if I miss a piece of good news, I might miss yeah. some fruit that I could eat, uh, et cetera. But if I miss a piece of bad news, you'd literally yeah. die. So we're, our brains have evolved. The amygdala mm -hmm. scanning your sensory mechanisms bypasses the neocortex. Okay. And it's constantly going, where is there danger? So I can okay. uh, tell the body to get going, spike cortisol levels, and off you go. Um, uh, and that model is what sustains, it turns out we're 10 times more likely to pay attention to bad news as to good news because we relate to it as danger. This is my thesis on why Fox News does very yeah. well, right? If you watch Fox News in the US, you're going to die this week uh, because of a Mexican terrorist coming from... Coming, <laughs> well, any, any, any small media border, right? Matter, or right? Jewish like, space laser, like, God knows what. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Peter calls CNN the crisis news network, right? Because when you can track every bank robbery in real yeah, yeah, time, totally. uh, high definition stream to 20 devices, you think the world is going to hell and you vote on that. That can be weaponized. The, the yeah. social media amplifies the negative and because we're 10 times more negative, pays attention to that. And now we get a Trump or we get Brexit, right? Complete amplification yeah. of, com yeah. of nonsense yeah. fear. Uh, uh, but you can weaponize that. And we need to figure out as a as a species how to ride around the amygdala, um, and we and train yeah. uh, ourselves not to respond to every negative thing that happens. Um, like for example, people I'll give, uh, the the autonomous cars, right? Uh, uh, an autonomous car kills somebody, and everybody freaks out. Ban the car. Um, uh, just stop all development of autonomous cars because God knows uh, people don't like to be killed by robots. Um, yeah. We'd much rather be killed by drunk people, which is what's happening today, right? A by million drunk. people a year <laughs> die in car accidents yeah. around the world. Um, and and we're in the, in the, for the fear of changing. So my favorite commentary about human beings in general is that we'd much rather be comfortable than happy. And we're comfortable in the yeah. status quo. Yeah. We understand it. The fact that yeah. half of us are dying yeah. for various things, whatever, that's okay. I, at least I get it, right? I've got to help you if you move into an yeah. abundance-based and yeah. free energy uh, cryptocurrency UBI type of world. 
uh, where okay, maybe I can't. It can't possibly work. I can't possibly. After there's no danger in that, and yeah. therefore we live. So there's there's the uh, uh, anatomical uh, root. I think of all of our problems. Yeah, I mean that that was actually something you just bring back a memory, right? Where people are happy to go back to something that they know what they get, yeah. right? They know the outcome. Whereas the uncertainty where they get something really good by the potential of just walking around the corner, around the block to find that coffee shop that does it, you know, it's this exclusive coffee shop and they do amazing coffee, but oh, but oh, no, no, I don't know what that coffee's like. Is it going to be really good or not? I've never been there before, but my corner shop, the guy that I always go to, I always get a good coffee. It's just off, you know, pot of coffee. It's, it's okay. It's okay. So it's comfortable versus actually... Actually, something it could be better on the other end. I'll stick this with the comfortable where, because you know, I know Dweck it. This goes to the growth fix versus growth mindset, right? And and, and there's some people. And in yep. the past, we could use generational change to navigate this, right? Our lives are totally different from our parents and our yep. grandparents, and our kids are having totally different lives. The problem is the metabolism of change is faster than our generations right now. Like any ten year old, Facebook yep. is for old people, right? Like that just blows my mind. <laughs> So, so it's moving so fast. I'll give a little anecdote that I think that highlights this. I've, I've been, um, uh, you, you know, as a futurist, you kind of have to live this future to get a sense of it. So I've been driving a Tesla up and down the U.S. East Coast for over the last few years, uh, Miami to Toronto and back, etc. And you get in the car, you hit the autonomous car driving mode, the car drives itself. Think about this. I get into this car, it drives itself 80% of the time. Okay, carries me across the country, and because the charging stations are free, the whole trip of two thousand five hundred kilometers cost me zero. Okay, you you that is a Gutenberg zero. moment. You can't like you're like hey. so I load up with five yeah, of yeah, my favorite totally. shawarmas. I hit the button. I eat. I make sixty conference calls along the way. It's a freaking awesome experience, and it's free. It's just mind boggling that this is this is possible. Yeah. So I connected just as a joke when I on my trip, my last trip down, I connected the Alexa to the Tesla, and I was like saying, Alexa, honk the horn, and in the car, the car go, the car honks, right? Didn't notice my five year old watching. <laughs> no. okay. So I'm down in like Georgia somewhere, two thousand, in the middle of nowhere. And I, I parked the car to charge it. I'm walking away. Car honks. I'm like, oh, shit. Did I, you know, forget to, to hold the trunk, What's et cetera. I look at the car. Everything seems fine. Mm. Walk away again. Car honks again. I'm like, oh, my God. Something's wrong. I got to call Tesla. I call my wife. Like, I gotta give me the support number. Something's seriously wrong. I'm in the middle of Georgia, uh, et cetera. You, you don't want to be broken down in the middle of nowhere here. Um and, and my wife goes, Mila, get away from the goddamn Alexa because 2,000 miles away, my five-year-old is like, Alexa, honk the horn. And it's not conceivable to me that this is possible, right? I cannot get this around my head that a freaking kid from 2,000 miles away can make up my car honk. That's the old paradigm. We, can't, we just can't rock it. And that's why we need to – I think we should just take all of our global institutions, et cetera, turn it over to the 25-year-olds, and they'll figure it out. Uh, the rest Get out of the damn way. Yeah, figure it out, right? You know, one of the things right at the beginning of the of the podcast, you mentioned that you were talking about you you launched a, a, a Twitter esque product, right? And uh, timing was a bit early, right? And so 
I think one of the things that we always realize is timing is really important in a lot of these startups and, and, and for the turtles to make it to the bottom. You know, I need to get over these hurdles. The time, the population needs to be right. The current needs to be right to drag me out. All of those timing elements need to be aligned for a, a, a you know, an entrepreneur to hit the success buttons. Um, what do you, you know, one of the things you always worry about is from a blockchain. I mean, look, I mean, realistically in crypto, there may be 20 million people worldwide that are really engaged in, in, in DeFi and NFTs and stuff like that. And that's still a tiny portion of the 8 billion people yeah. that are on the planet. Right. And it's like, what, are what we, are we, so yeah, it's like, so too? is the timing so, right? So look, I, I look at it this way. If yeah, you look when, at the, does, if you look at the history of, of, of uh, Bitcoin, right? There were a whole set of generations yep. leading up to Bitcoin, e-cash, uh, e-gold, uh, digital gold models, yep. et cetera, et cetera, World of Warcraft money. All these kinds of models were playing, being played with for a long time. People have been trying to create Bitcoin for about 30 years yep. uh, uh, in different forms, okay? Yep. A digital yep. currency that's not driven by monetary fiat policy, that's a that's peer-to-peer money, okay? Um, because in, in the end of the day, uh, the U.S. dollar is peer-to-peer money. It's just arbitrated by a central bank and a government yep. that kind of centralizes the decision-making, monetary policy, etc. Well, th- people saw the problems with this in the 70s. Um, uh, and so they've been trying. The fact that Bitcoin succeeded was the fact that is an indication uh, that you now have a new paradigm in place. Uh, and now you have that foundational layer laid down and that initial... Uh, uh, venture has been successful. Now a whole that ch- that path has now been burned, and thousands of people can go through the path. The tool sets are there, the in- ecosystems. There's enough developers that people understand it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's unstoppable at this point. Once you break through, okay. Uh, I I think of it as as a a an eggshell. If you're the fetus or the little middle little bird trying to break through the eggshell, you're pecking away, you're pecking away, you're pecking away. Until you're strong enough, you don't break through. Once you break through, there's no going back, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll give one other uh, biological reference here: uh, woodpeckers. Okay, um, the mother will you know drill a hole in the tree, yeah. go and and grow the birds. Okay, um, and and the bird at some point. Yeah. The mother will literally carry the baby woodpecker chick to the uh, outside, uh, to the edge, and literally kick it out of the nest. Okay, and and the literally thing falls all the way down because it's soft, it lands and it survives. It crawls up the tree, uh, tries to get back in the nest, and the mother kicks it out again. Right, so the freaking little baby bird is like, "Hey, what the hell? I'm trying to get back to to the nest here." It turns out that the head of the woodpecker baby. Uh, cannot get bigger than the hole in the in the, the the nest hole, otherwise it dies, right? So the mother has to kick it out. So once you kick it out and it starts, it's out. It's out there. So there's no going back. And the mother has to know when to kick it it's out. Up. Now we've not been good at knowing when to kick these things into the world. It's been happening evolutionary. Uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think, are the first woodpecker chips uh, chicks that are out there and they're surviving on yep. their own. Uh, and they'll have lots of teething problems, like the whole scaling and engineer uh, problems in blockchains. I think of those as engineering problems, not invention problems. Once we solve the Byzantine yeah, yeah. generals problem, yeah. there's no going back. Um, 
And so I think this is a, a, a paradigm out. shift, an inflection point, whatever metaphor you want to use, a watershed. Uh, we are in a new world with new systems and new models, and we have to learn that new world. Uh, there's no way of putting the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I think you know, I mean, both both you and I are pretty committed to this new new paradigm and and this new environment. But one of the things that sort of I always look at and 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 sort of see is as we go down this path, it, it's really, you know, it's yeah, just how do we get more momentum behind it? How can how can we get you know? We talk about this infrastructure, and I think you you yeah. mentioned all the tooling is now there. Right. And I think the tooling has become way better. You know, five years ago, 2017, when we had a big crash in, in, in the Bitcoin or 2018 in the Bitcoin world, yeah. that was the last big crash. You know, it's like it, it shake, shook out a lot of different people. We didn't have the tools there. Right. We just had Ethereum come out. And then all of a sudden we had new tools come in place that strengthened the decentralization nature. We had AMMs come in, automated market makings, right, which led to a whole bunch of new uh, products and services. And etc. One of the angles is, is we need we have this Web3 infrastructure, this great Bitcoin and Ethereum infrastructure. And on top of that, in order to get people to adopt it more, we need the sort of Web2 yeah. user experience to leverage this amazing infrastructure, right? And so, and that will then help drive uh, adoption. Agree. You need my the view. use cases that are so um, again, yeah. back to the the when we've analyzed uh, exponential technologies, right? It, um, it turns out they go through uh, six phases um, of of growth. Um, you digitize, you uh, uh, it, then you go into a very de deceptive phase of of development where people don't notice that it's happening. Then you have a radical disruption of the status quo. And then you have demonetization, uh, democratization, dematerialization. Okay, but so Peter identified this paradigm as six Ds. And one of the key questions is how do you go from deceptive to disruptive? And when we analyze technologies that make that gap cross over, it turns out to be usability. Um, Steve Jobs made the smartphone usable, and boom, it took off. Right? Um, Bitcoin yeah. wasn't really usable well. until Coinbase created a, a, a nice interface to buy and sell. But that's the only thing you can do with is really buy and sell it, right? Um, we're still looking for the user experience to make this seamless and usable in a macro level to the general consumer. Um, but we have now a whole bunch of little use cases like art and NFTs and community memberships and other things where the experience is rough, right? Trying to navigate a... a uh, MetaMask wallet on a on a nano ledger while trying to deal with your board ape is a non-trivial uh, exercise. Um, I've, so I've got a little. I've got a, a, yeah. a one of the top NFT guys as a Sherpa uh, for me, right? Who who's just unbelievable. And so yeah. I, he, I literally grabbed him and said, "Mouse click by mouse click, yeah. show him how this works." So I've got like a board ape and a, a bunch of NFTs, etc. And one day my MetaMask my ledger wallet just like I can't see anything on it. And I'm like, shit, did I lose everything? Panic, whatever, whatever. And he's like, oh, just reinstall the software or do this or do this or do this. So I have to, and I'm a techie. I'm like, I'm pretty clicked in. Literally, you know, you have to go to the metadata yeah. and refresh yeah. this or you have to yeah. rerun the smart contract. It's completely non-obvious to me. Somehow if we recover the stick and everything is fine. But 
that user experience is not there yet. But there will be enough work being done, and the cost is low enough that enough yeah. people are working at it that this is now a uh, this is not an if now it's a when uh, uh, it's going to happen right. Um, and it's as Bitcoin uh, kind of becomes more pervasive, and this is where Jeff Booth, I think, comes into play. Because we've been growing the existing monetary systems with debt, at some point that collapses. Uh, and, and when that collapses, Bitcoin yep. essentially becomes the reserve currency of the world. Um, and, it, and it can't not happen because that old model just does not work for what's coming in the new world with a decentralized, low-cost technology world. So the only question is when, but the first, the first threads have now been laid uh, of that spider web where you can now build, just to throw another crazy metaphor into the table, we can now build, once you have the first couple of, of bridges into that new world, we can now build on top of that. And we're already building on that, right? I mean, you're seeing big nations like El Salvador, you know, sort of launch their own, you know, sort of yeah. go up against big institutions to say, we don't want this. You know, I just read uh, Brazil has announced that they're having some of their reserve in in, in, in Bitcoin and, and, and you're seeing other, you know, I mean, Michael Saylor has obviously gone out there and I think the most public figure to yeah. try and build a balance sheet with Bitcoin. Um, so people are beginning to uh, go down that path it's, already. And it's unstoppable because the cost um, of entry is low, yeah. right? So people are going to try experiments, and it's just some of them yeah. are just going to work. Yeah. So this is this is a, it's a done deal in my head. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the, there's no going back. Um, yeah. And the existing system, every single time we print more money yeah. to deal with a pandemic or uh, absorb more shock, that just accelerates the cycle into this new world. We just have to build a new as fast right. as possible. And it freaks the hell out of, you know, you talk to any banker and they get high yeah. when you talk about Bitcoin. They literally <laughs> freak out. And, and we have to kind of navigate that. We've been working yeah, on the cultural yeah. tools so yeah. you can you can stop the immune system from attacking new ideas. And, and that's the work we've been doing. Because if you can't stop the legacy from attacking these new little uh, fledgling birds, then you don't progress. Yeah, and I think, you know, the one thing is I talk to a lot of, I mean, like you, I think we all talk to a lot of banks and they're trying yeah. to figure out a way, how do I control this? How do I play in this? What is what is you my role in really this new future, right? There, right? And, the yeah. banks, the Fed, the legal structures are all trying to figure out ways of controlling it, okay? And the, enti and the entire paradigm is based on yeah. non-controllability. The whole, the reason Bitcoin is successful is it's not controllable by a centralized entity. If if you are ha do have it controllable by a centralized entity, it breaks it. So this is a complete philosophical shift, and our yeah. old our old folks uh, can't get their heads around this. You know, love them to death, uh, Grandpa, but but you cannot get your head around a world that operates in this new way. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be, you know, and, and just sort of taking that to another level, right? I mean, if we look at these currencies that, that and, 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 and NFTs and new models and these new paradigms, right? One of the new paradigms that when we met in Miami, you know, we were talking, you had a whole group of people around you that were NFT builders, right? Yeah. They were will, working in the metaverse, right? There was a whole new category of entrepreneurs building in the metaverse. So, so these weren't, these were designers, right? These were architects that were designing property, real estate in this new land, right? So, 
how how is i mean that's that's a whole new paradigm that's evolving right and these yeah. are decentralized worlds that are not governed so by a jurisdiction in one country or an another example right let's note that people have been trying to build a metaverse type yeah. structure for ages second life uh, being the most obvious of those. Yeah. Uh, Philip Rosedale is one yeah. of our advisors. He's seen this game over the years and trying to time the marketplace very hard. You just go to your passion, you try and build out and you you kind of get where you get to. I think even now Metaverse is a little early just because the user experience is non-trivial. The avatars are a little yeah. clunky, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Uh, but at some point in the next two to three to four years, uh, the resolution of of of, of the... Uh, metaverse environments will ex get to eat close to that of the human eye. Uh, and now at, at this point, we already have art that you can distinguish from a real person versus a, uh, a, yep. an AI that's generating the art. And we have um, uh, uh, buildings in the metaverse that used to have to be handcrafted and now an AI is building the buildings, right? So we'll get to a point pretty quickly that it, this is why uh, uh, yep. uh, Elon believes that we must be living in a simulation. Um, so as far as I can see at the macro level, we're heading straight yeah. to Ready Player One, uh, where you'll have your you'll be you'll have your little yeah, hovel yeah. Uh, and you'll have your That's suit and your your headset and you'll be living in that metaverse. You look at any kid in a device or any kid in a gaming environment. That's their that's their life. Their Minecraft world is more real to them than the real world, right? Everything in the real world is just an excuse so they can yeah. get back to Minecraft or World of Warcraft. And there's some really fascinating real-world spin-offs from this. For example, the MIT Media Lab uh, did a study and proved that the best leadership training in the world uh, about 10 years ago was World of Warcraft. That's the best leadership training in the world, was, was playing World of Warcraft because to manage a guild and to get people you don't even know to work together. Uh, your leadership skills have to be honed to the most ridiculous level. Uh, and so the, at, the, at the end, they will hire people based on the World of Warcraft level. Uh, and it, it was amazing. So we're going to see this bridge over into the real world. And again, we're early in the usability of it. It's not that obvious. There's no way uh, anybody over 50 can get their head around Decentraland, right? Like, you just can't. Whereas for a 25-year-old, they're like, this is their reality. Okay. Um, and this is an age-old paradigm. I mean, when we were growing yeah. up, we were on the phone with our friends as teenagers, and our parents were like, what the hell are you doing on the phone? Get off the damn phone, you know, go outside, whatever. But that's much more real than yeah. this. And, and it's all of it is shrinking of time and distance, uh, making it more abundant. And technology, you know, uh, there's a little thesis that, that Ray Kurzweil puts out, which is that technology has always been a major driver of progress. It actually might be the only major driver of progress we've ever seen. Now we have yeah. a dozen technologies moving at a doubling pattern, uh, neuroscience, biotech, crypto, uh, autonomous cars, sensors, so energy, uh, et cetera. That, CRISPR, the, yeah. the positive upside of that is infinitely yeah. uh, amazing compared to the, uh, the alternatives. And so there, there's reason in that sense to be incredibly optimistic about yeah. where the world is going. It's somewhat times hard to see it in the middle of war and and inflation and whatever because these old systems are creaking now uh, at some point they'll just break and we need new systems at the localized level to take over yeah super excited to be here it's the best time to be alive salim ismail super super good talking to you as always
And, you know, really thank you for your time, your insights, gr or great books to pick up on, great quotes, great thought leaders to check, track down, uh, and you engage with them all the time. So really happy to have had that input to the super excited audience here. And yeah, and where can they follow you? How can they read up about you? And, and, uh, and, and our sort of find openexo.com. Uh, it's free yep. to join. And this is the conversation we have amongst our 17,000 people on a nonstop basis. And we provide tool sets for people to m manage and bridge into this new world. And uh, my Twitter handle is at Salim Ismail, and that's pretty easy. Awesome. Great conversation. Thank you for your time, Salim. And, and it's really good always talking to you. Yeah, thank you. This was Stefan Roost and Salim Ismail. You can follow Salim on Twitter at Salim Ismail. That's S-A-L-I-M-I-S-M-A-I-L. And OpenXO at OpenXO, O-P-E-N-E-X-O. You can also follow Stefan on Twitter at SRoost99. That's S-R-U-S-T-99. And you can find the Super Excited with Stefan Roost podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube on the Stefan Roost channel. Thank you for listening.